It's so good to be with you. We appreciate your traveling mercies that God provides us. And it's wonderful to be in a building that is a little bit air-conditioned <laughs> when it's 104 outside. Put your finger there in Zechariah, and I'd like you to go with me read one verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. <clears throat> there is such a serious statement made in this verse of scripture that goes right along with what we're going to be studying in the book of Zechariah. And it tells us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul was used by the Holy Spirit to warn people in the church of Corinth that there's that potential, that possibility, and those are those who have... Uh, not made their calling and election sure. If they're brought, taken away by subtlety to turn from the simplicity that is in Christ to go to something complicated, that's the thing it is, to turn from the simplicity that is in Christ, that Christ is all. That's the, it's kind of like Mr. Ford said, you can order any car, color you want, but black is what you're going to get. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Christ, the simplicity is he is all. There, we have no other course. It is a very straight line. It's a narrow line. It's a narrow path. And the simplicity of that is in Christ. Now, when we go back over here to the book of Zechariah, I want to read verses 1 through 6 because verses 1 through 6 start with the date or a time element. And I thought about bringing a message upon God's very particular time, but we've done that in the past and we're going to look at it here. In chapter 1 and verse 1, we have in the eighth month, and in chapter 1, verse 7, we have in the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month. So there is a time element between here. God is very exact when he gave these time elements, but the uh, pastor, preacher, prophet, uh, apostle, uh, whatever we want to call him, Zechariah, was given a message in this time element, and he preached that time, in that time element this message. And it was in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berchiah, the son of Ido, the prophet, saying. Now this is what the Lord gave him to say. And in that, we're going to find out that most of Israel, nationally speaking, turned away from the simplicity that is in Christ. It is so simple. Christ is all. And the moment we leave that, we get complicated. Because then we have to start measuring. We have to measure works. We have to measure time put in. We have to measure how much Bible you read. We have to measure how many, how many you want to the Lord, how many baptisms. It's so complicated when we leave the simplicity that, that is in Christ. And that's what happens here. And that's what Zechariah is brought to bear to mention to national Israel. This is the problem. You've turned away. Now, there was another problem, and that is what's brought out in here, and that there was a whole bunch of false prophets that came into national Israel. And some of them were spoken for, and some of them, just like today, they just grow up among folks and start bringing in things that aren't simple. <laughs> 
They bring in all kinds of heresies. And so here it is. And I, I was uh, interested to find that the prophet Haggai and the prophet Zechariah are very close contemporaries. In fact, they're probably both in Jerusalem at the same time, and one is preaching. They're tag teaming. One is preaching, and then the other one preaches, and this is a ministry and a message that God intended for these people in Jerusalem about the 16th year after Cyrus King sent them out. So we've been looking at Ezra and seeing that group that went over. Well, they went over, and they got all tied up in their own affairs, and they were not dealing with God's affairs, and that's a pretty good sign that things got complicated instead of keeping things simple, the simplicity that's in Christ. Verse 2, the Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Now that means angry to the point of being angry. <laughs> he's, it's double, that's what he's saying here. It's anger was Jehovah um, with anger. Jehovah was angry with anger. <laughs> and it brings out there and it says, And therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn you unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, if we were in a free will society, we'd make a great big deal out of that, but since sovereign gracers know where the will is comes from, when we know the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know who turned us. We know it wasn't up to us. We know that we, didn't, we were not involved. In fact, if we were involved, we were involved in trying to stay where we were and we're thankful for God turning us because he turned us to salvation. He turned us to God. He turned us to Christ. He turned us to the gospel. And after he gives us the new birth, we rejoice and delight and relish in that turning. So, but ye not, be not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Your fathers were, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, Like as the Lord of hosts, thought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. Well, the prophet Zechariah is bringing up to national Israel, and by and large, they're Esau's. That's the problem. There are a few Jacobs, and most of these Jacobs are along for a ride. God never, ever punished a Jacob for his sins. Never has, never will. When we read about Israel being punished, we're dealing with Esau's. And Esau's will be punished. And there are a, quite a few. There are half a dozen. There's one in there that is a Jacob that God loves. And they're going along for the ride we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We read about Daniel. We read about others that were taken. And uh, Esther, at the same time, there are few Jacobs, and they are along for the ride. But God is not punishing them. He is punishing Israel. He is punishing Esau's. Now, we may ask the question, and I've asked this question many times, why did God hate Esau? 
Well, we read over there in the book of Romans and also in the book of, of Malachi, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Now, there is a serious difference between Jacob and Esau, not in their being, not in their person, not in their birth, not in their parents, not in their grandparents, not in what their line after them, not in their sin factor. The difference is God shared with us, every believer, blessed is the man in whom God will not impute sin. And that's the only reason he could love Jacob. He did not impute sin against him. What does that mean? Christ died for him on the cross. And what, why does he hate Jacob's? Because he did not remove or he continued to impute sin to them. And so there's no alternative that God has but to hate them. He did not deal with their sin. He left them alone or in, other, in a passage in the New Testament, they're going as it was determined. This is their purpose and their whole purpose in life. So that's why there's Jacob's and that's why there's Esau's. Jacob's, God's purpose to deal with their sin and we are blessed that our sin, our sin is not imputed against us. Everyone else, their sin they will deal with alone. Jacob have I loved, because I said, blessed is the man in whom God will not impute sin, and Esau's have I hated, because they will deal with their own. I will not. So, here in the book of Zechariah, chapter 1, the leading point in this first sermon is to show the people the cause of God's judgment upon Israel by causing them to go into Babylonian captivity. This is the reason. This is why you went. Now there were some Jacobs among them. They went along for the ride. They were not in the judgment part. They were just there, just like today. An airplane full of people goes down because God is going to judge some Esau's and there happens to be two saved people on it. They went along for the ride. But it wasn't judgment against them. All right. Now, so often in the Old Testament do we find that there is someone bringing up some falseness or something wrong. And the first one that did this after the fall was a fellow by the name of Cain. Now, what, what could have Cain said to Abel? Your offering just is not enough. We had a lady here one time saying, there's just not enough works in this church. Well, I can hear Cain say that to his brother just before he kills him. Your offering is just not good enough. Mine is. And God had respect on yours and should have been on mine, and he killed him. Now, I was sitting in my, in my study tonight, and it struck me. Between the time of Abel's death and the time that Seth could have had any understanding about the gospel is going to be some time. And it really convinced me that Adam and Eve must have known the gospel because there would have been a period upon this earth that there would have been no gospel and who would have brought it to Seth. So I had to come to the conclusion. Adam or Eve or both of them mentioned 
and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only Savior. And they're the ones that were clothed with skins of animals, and I wonder how long did they wear them? Maybe the rest of their life. I don't know. But it was a blessing to them to be covered with the skins of animals as a representation of being covered by the blood of Christ. And so it was them that brought the gospel to Seth, and it is through his line we have our Savior coming into this world. It is through his line that Noah is brought the gospel. And he didn't do something good, and then God said, you have grace. He was a rotten scoundrel, and God gave him grace, and that's why he's on the, on the ark with his family. Who was it? Abraham. Right down through the line to Abraham, a scoundrel. And yet God brought to him the mercy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and on and on it goes, right down to the coming of the Lord Jesus, and down to this time in the preaching of the gospel. Well, that very... A thing happened. There was someone that was always going to bring up some other gospel, and Cain is an example of that. Well, jump ahead quite a number of years, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. False prophets who taught their father's lies, when the Lord called upon them to return, led away the false teachers, they were led away by false teachers and their own sin and corruption. They would not return. Now look over here is a really good example in the book of Numbers chapter 13. In the book of Numbers chapter 13, we have an experiment going on. The Lord sends 12 spies into the land. Now, I've read this, but I've never paid a lot of attention to it. It's a wonderful exercise in Jacob's and Esau's. It's a wonderful statement about grace and law. It's a wonderful statement about God changing our heart and giving us a heart that loves him. And whatever he says, we will believe it. There's a 12 out of, or 10 out of 12 have never had grace given to them. They're, They're just Esau's. They're just Esau's, and their sin is imputed to them, and they will justly stand before God in judgment, and they will answer, and they will be turned out to an everlasting punishment because God never paid for their sins. Now, there's some Jacobs. Oh, my goodness. Josh, or Caleb, and the other one. Joshua and Caleb. Thank you. I should know that. (laughs) Joshua and Caleb. They understood. They saw the same things and they came back without fear. They saw the the same uh, giants and they didn't come back with that fear. But there's 10 came back with a great deal of fear because they didn't trust God. They didn't know God. He had not Pardoned their sin. He'd not put sin away from them. And they're going to go on the rest of their lives in that very terrible position. Here in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, and I think I want to begin with verse uh, uh, 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Numbers, chapter 13, verse 25. And they went and came to Moses. Now they came to the right place. They came to the right place. 
I go to the same church as you do. I'm depending on my church, though, instead of you depending upon your Christ, all right? And to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Now, here's a whole group of people that are in pins and needles about what has happened over there in the promised land, in the land they're supposed to take. What has happened? You've been gone 40 days, haven't heard a word from you. Why don't you write? Why don't you write? Well, and, and uh, in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Oh, my goodness. You know, I just think again about that a pole, and there's one bunch of grapes being carried by two people out of that land. Now, it had to be preserved, <laughs> or it's going to be raisins. Some way God provided that they could bring that out of there and carried it back, and everybody got to see that. Well, it's just like people seeing the miracles that Jesus Christ performed, and what did they do? Nothing. Miracles don't change hearts. It is a miracle of grace. God's miracle. It's just normal for God. It is so out of our realm of what he does for us spiritually. It's, in fact, we say it's not in our realm. It's way above it. We must be born from above. It goes on to tell us here, and they told him, him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now, look at verse 28. We're always going to run into this with false prophets. Nevertheless, we bring up the gospel to someone, and you know what they say? I can see what you're saying, but nevertheless. We give them the simplicity of the gospel, just like Paul did, and we got people raising their hand and saying, I can see what you're saying, but nevertheless, people, men, must be circumcised in order to be saved. And today it is you must be baptized in order to be saved. You must join our church in order to be saved. And they add all of this garbage to the simplicity that is in Christ. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell, uh, that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. You know, if, they were, if it was such a serious thing, how did they ever make it back? How did they make it back after 40 days? If this is, and here they are, they've just created a nevertheless they are presenting what false prophets have always brought up and that is God can't do it without you his hands are your hands his eyes are your eyes his ears are your ears his feet are your feet and his you know and Caleb still the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it but the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up. They've already contradicted themselves. And false prophets are always in that position of contradicting. 
one hand is a wonderful land that flows with milk and honey, and now they turned right around when it's brought up that, that we should go into the land. God is able, God is able, God is able to save and to keep exceedingly. They says, the land through which we have gone to search, the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw, or the men are of great statue. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came uh, come of the giants, and we were our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Oh, my goodness. And it doesn't change. Over the centuries, the same thing is said. It is, on one hand, it is so simple. Trust God. And on the other hand, it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen, and it ain't going to happen. Unless we do it. Well, in the next chapter, there, uh, verses 1 through 4, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we died in this wilderness? And you know, if we say for one second, I am better than that, I would have done different than they. We have deceived ourselves greatly because only those who had grace could understand what was happening here. And those who did not have grace, we understand what's happening here. Blame anybody they can and criticize God. And that's just part of the fall. Our first father criticized God when he said, the woman thou gavest me. He criticized God. And that's the part of the, the um, false prophets is to criticize the salvation of God, the person of God. We have trouble whether he's today. It just amazes me what people can say about the Lord Jesus Christ and still pretend to know the gospel. That they can say he actually, can you imagine, actually became a sinner when the scriptures are so plain that it was imputed to him? You know, everything's okay, but I have this one problem. And unless you believe like I do, I was talking to a, a friend today, and he said, you know, I, I was asked to join the Flat Earth Society. And someone said, is, is, the earth, is there a society? Oh, yeah, there's a earth, flat earth society. And they want you to join it. And if you don't, you're not saved. And the pastor just told the guy, he says, I don't care whether it's oblong, whether it's a trapezoid, or what shape it is, the problem is sin, and the answer is the gospel. doesn't matter what shape it is. If we get to heaven and find out it's a trapezoid, is that going to change things? Of course not. Well, here we have a whole host of people, 12, 10 out of 12 coming back with this report, but they're very influential on other Esau's. Very influential. Here we have a whole bunch of Esau's that are just on the tipping edge, and when they came back with that word, my goodness, I wish we'd have stayed in Egypt. I, where are they? They're still in Egypt. 
That's where they are. They're still in Egypt. I wish we'd have, he'd have killed us here in the wilderness. Where are they? They're still in the wilderness. They have no perception unless God grant them the vision to see Christ. They have no perception of what's going on around them. And so the news came back. We're able to take it. And the, they said, no, we're on. No, we can't. And the Esau's just said, oh, they just tipped in that direction. We have the whole host of them in that direction. We have one of the reasons that God brought them into Babylonian captivity is this very thing. And they were going to stone Moses and Aaron. Verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding great good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred to us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all of the children of Israel. One great example of having some false prophets. And they were Israelites. All of these guys are cousins. They're all cousins. It doesn't matter. Family ties. It depends on whether Jesus Christ has been revealed unto us. And that's the only difference between Joshua and Caleb and the rest of the other ten spies and the rest of the other folk. Now we know what happened to them. They wandered around for 38 years until that generation died off. And in the book of Hebrews, it says, these all died in unbelief. They were Esau's. And they met God on God's terms. Judgment. Now we know what happened to Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones of that generation that got to go in. Well, it doesn't change as we go through the scriptures. Time and time again, we find that this subject is brought up, that there will be, there will always be, there is right now in our generation, those who would take away the simplicity of the gospel and turn it into a monstrosity, turn it into all of the things that have to be added to it. Isaiah and Jeremiah led uh, uh, had much to say about this very problem. They are the prophets just before the Babylonian captivity. And they're bringing up the problem that Israel is facing. Why? And most of the false prophets, there were just a few that didn't, but most of the, uh, most of the prophets, most of them were false prophets, and they brought up and says, God will not take us into captivity. Because we're his chosen people. And the true prophet said, God will do with the Esau's as he sees fit. He will protect the Jacob's, but he will do with the Esau's as he sees fit. And there were a multitude of Esau's that were taken into Babylonian captivity. We are thankful for the few that were Jacob's. Would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 30? Isaiah chapter 30. 
as Zechariah brought up, where, where are the prophets? And where's that generation? They're gone. That's the problem with a Levitical priesthood. That's the problem with a, with a earthly king. That's the problem with an earthly priesthood. That's the problem with an earthly prophet. They die. Sin takes over. Die. Well, here in the book of Isaiah chapter 30, verse 7. <coughs> Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 7. It says, For the Egyptians shall help in vain, and to no purpose therefore have I come concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, or the gospel, or the word of God, which say to the seers, See not. Say to the seers, we don't want to have you see him. In other words, we don't want to know the truth. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. My goodness, these prophets and seers, as this brought out in here, the people said, just leave us alone. Don't bring up things. You know, the preaching of the gospel really stirs people up. That young man that I have been talking to, I didn't get to talk to him today. He was on vacation, but the last time we talked, and I said nothing about this, but he brings up, he says, are you telling me since I don't believe what you believe, that I'm not a believer? I says, I did not say that. I'm not going there. But someone told him that. If you don't believe this, are we supposed to say you're okay? If you don't believe the gospel, am I supposed to say you're okay? Well, of course not. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 14. Would you turn there with me? Luke chapter 14. The Lord Jesus brings this subject up. And it's interesting that this word hate in here is the same word that we find in Romans with regard to Esau. Esau have I hated. All right. Um, Luke chapter 14 verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, even his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. Now, you know, to say that I've got to hate my mother and my dad when I'm called on to love them, that's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about, if my parents believe something that is unscriptural, I am not to agree with it. I am to believe God. I'm to agree with God over my parents. I'm to agree with God over my children. I'm to agree God with God over my brothers, over my sisters. God has precedent. And if we 
have a tendency of agreeing with our brothers or a mother or a father when it comes to spiritual things and they're wrong, we're just as wrong as they are. So we, he said, you're not my disciple. It's a serious thing for us to agree with the ungospel, to agree with the non-gospel, to agree with the false gospel, to agree with false teachers, to say Billy Graham was a wonderful preacher. I, that would be an absolute lie because he didn't know the gospel. He knew nothing about it. Anybody that will say that you save by trusting any being there is in the world, even among those tribes in Africa, just as long as you believe in a super being or superior being, you're okay. That's a, that's a lie. And we have that happening here in Israel. It's okay. God will take care of us. God will take care of us. Well, there are a whole bunch of people voted against that very thing and said, I wish we were dead in Egypt. I wish we were dead in the wilderness. And God just let them have their wish. False gospel, this is the payment. All right, would you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah has a whole bunch to say about the subject that brought the children of Israel the Esauites, into Babylonian captivity. God spoke to them. God spoke to them. God spoke to them. He sent prophets to them. He sent preachers to them. They stoned the prophets and killed them that were sent unto them. Thou stonest the prophets that were sent unto you. I sent my prophets unto you. I sent my preachers to you with the message. And the message is good. It's a, it's a wonderful message. The message that God will save anybody. God is in the business of saving the worst of sinners. By sin men run away from God. Whereby it appeareth that sin is the greatest evil because it sets us furthest off from the greatest good. Sin takes us away from the greatest good. God. Well, Jeremiah in chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31. We have him writing these words. And all through the book of Jeremiah, all through the book of Isaiah. And when we get to the New Testament, the Lord brings this subject up. The prophets or the apostles bring this subject up. Peter brings this subject up. It's just a constant subject that is brought up about there are going to be those that are going to come in with these ideas that take away from the simplicity of the gospel. Be prepared for it. Don't listen to it. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so, and what will you do in the end thereof? His people national Israel. I'm so thankful, mixed in, all of that, there are a few out of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue that God's word comes to them in such a capacity they're overwhelmed by it. It is effectual to them. Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. And this these prophecies are before the Babylonian captivity. And he keeps warning them. 
how faithful God is and how great God is to continuously warn and warn and warn and warn. The same is true today. That he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. If, if we were in that position right now, we'd just say, wrap it up. But out of this whole mess, all things fall out for the furtherance of the gospel. Someone is going to look back and say, I heard the gospel during those terrible times. I heard it. Not some phlegm, but I heard the real gospel. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 11 the word says, therefore I am full of fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out unto the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together for even the husband with the wife shall be taken and the aged with him that is in full of days and their horses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land saith the Lord and from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. By and large, these false prophets were motivated by gain. Covetousness. There's a song, Would Jesus Wear a Rolex? You know. Most are in the profit game. And preaching the gospel is only profitable as God makes it profitable. And it's spiritual profitability. Through the book of Jeremiah, through the book of Ezekiel, <clears throat> these words continue on. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. The glorious thing, as we go through the book of Zechariah, is we get to the next part, and it's speaking about the hope of Israel. The Lord Jesus. The hope of salvation. The Savior. The promise of the Savior. The effects of the Savior. The benefits of the Savior. And here, the same thing was being said throughout the Old Testament, and the warnings came up, and the false prophets would say, it's not so. I have a better plan. Here in the book of Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 24, it says, Son of man, say unto them, Thou art the land into that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravaging the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure, the precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they shown difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves Ravaging the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have dabbed them with untempered mortar, saying, seeing vanity and divining lies 
unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. There was one prophet that Zechariah dealt with, Hilkiah. I think it was Hilkiah. He had all of the outward appearance of, of being a prophet. And the, oh, God has said, God has said, God has said. And Jeremiah got in his face. He says, God has not spoken about you. You know, it took a discerning, very discerning prophet to say to that. Well, just a couple of more verses and we'll close. Matthew chapter 24. Would you look there with me? Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 5. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. You know, we think, How could that happen? I am the Messiah? The Lord said it. I am the Messiah. And shall deceive many. And in that same chapter, verse 11, it says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Who are the deceived ones, though? Only Esau's. Only Esau's. God will protect the Jacob's. Oh, for a moment, we say, oh, my goodness, that sounds good. And then a passage of Scripture is brought up by, to, to us from someone and says, oh, my goodness, that is so false. Over in the book of Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter two. Second Peter, chapter two, verses one, two, and three. But there were false prophets also among the people. Old Testament. Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they have with fiend words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not, making merchandise. It's a, it's a prophet thing. Jeremiah often refers to false prophets, and there's one he speaks about by name. His name is Hananiah. And his name means Jehovah is gracious. He's found in Jeremiah chapter 28, verses 1 through 17. You might mark that down, take it home and read it. We usually think of false prophets as a charlatan or a quack or a idolater or a, uh, an immoral individual one who is obviously deceptive but this guy was not and finally he proved himself in error he disagreed with God Boy, you can't disagree with God well Lord willing next time we'll pick up at the beginning of that second message of Zechariah and there's going to be a vision here and it's kind of like Daniel it's kind of like Revelation and if we look at it from a literal standpoint we're going to find ourselves in trouble 
if we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, we'll say yay and amen and hallelujah because it all speaks of the glory of Christ and his salvation is great.